You're listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. I'm Mike Sakel, taking you beyond the headlines and introducing you to interesting people and happenings here in Sullivan County, New York, and throughout the Catskills and Hudson Valley. Today, I am speaking with Action Towards Independence, uh, Director Debbie Warden. And joining us as well is their ATI veteran peer advocate, Crystal Brousseau. They are here to talk a a little bit about their veterans programs and uh, Action Towards Independence and what that's all about. Debbie Warden, I'm going to start with you because you've been and the organization has been very, very busy uh, overall during the the pandemic and uh, and that need continues. So why don't we start by you giving me a little bit of a background of what Action Towards Independence does and who they serve. Thank you so much for having us, Mike. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you and to get to talk about the agency. Action Toward Independence is what's called an independent living center. And that is an organization that is federally funded, as well as their state and local funding, but it's federally funded to provide services for any individual with any type of disability. So we work with children, infants, on up to 90-plus years of age. So there's no age requirement. There's no income eligibility. It's just the fact if you identify as being a person with a disability. And a disability could be a chronic condition. It could have happened... If you had an accident, it could be from a disease or or something or, you know, whatever the case may be, traumatic brain injury also has to do with mental health and and PTSD and and other things such as that. It really covers a lot of ground. And uh, again, ATI Advancing uh, Independent Living, um, you're also advocates for what's uh, referred to as legal and civil rights. Can can you give me a few examples of maybe some of the... uh, some of the challenges that you've had over the past year and especially during the pandemic? Um, Sure. So one of the services that ATI provides is what's called systems advocacy. And that is where we take part in organizations or municipalities or whomever is involved in regards to systems that have an impact on individuals with disabilities. So, for example, our systems advocates, sits on the Port Jervis's ADA committee and really was instrumental in helping Port Jervis obtain accessibility for their train station so now that it is wheelchair accessible. Any reasonable accommodation that might need to be made, that we're going to be there advocating for that to happen. We really want inclusivity. We want access for all. And it really is about you know, making sure that people have the ability to participate and partake in services or anything else in regards to being able to live independently. Well, one of the important groups that ATI assists, of course, are veterans. And uh, ATI currently has uh, three veteran peer advocates on on your team, correct? Correct, yeah. We actually um, found that, uh, you know, helping our veterans and employing them and also One of the big factors about ATI is that we are a peer-run organization. Uh, According to executive order, over 51% of our staff, as well as 51% of our board, have to have a disability. So that peer aspect to it really goes a long way. And having veterans on staff enables us to help individuals who are veterans with disabilities uh, because they have someone here that they can connect with. 
So let's uh, let's move on to your ATI veteran peer advocate, uh, Crystal Brousseau, is with us, and she's here to talk to us about uh, veterans' issues overall, and and of course women's veterans, which I, I think has been part of uh, the population that maybe has been a bit underserved. So, Crystal, speak to me a little bit about overall about uh, your position and some of the things that you are doing as a veteran peer advocate. Okay. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, so a lot of what uh, I do as a veteran peer advocate is reaching out to other entities um, or they reach out to us and uh, veterans come to us to, to help them find services that they maybe need but not really sure how to navigate. Um, one of them is navigating the VA system which sometimes can be a struggle um, if you've never done it before. So, so we kind of advocate for them and, and uh, help them kind of navigate that, that whole system. How, how is the situation now? I, I wanted to kind of unpack that, that whole VA thing. Uh, there's very specific challenges with, with the COVID situation. And I know locally our veteran service agency has, uh, has said that, you know, it's difficult doing outreach. Of course, it's difficult making connections with the, with some of the uh, issues in, in place, uh, Some for many for health reasons. But are the veterans reaching out, and have you been able to connect and interact and make connections with, with VA or a local veteran service agency? I, I feel like we've, um, we've actually had a, a pretty steady flow of veterans coming into our agency um, asking for services. Because we offer the service dog program, um, that's really what they're requesting. But that's just kind of the starting point for all of our veterans. They come in looking for a service dog, but wind up finding out that we have so many more resources at our fingertips. So we're able to put them in contact with some of the other agencies, the other agencies in the area that um, have those resources. Well, let's talk a little bit about the service dog uh, uh, aspect of this because actually these uh, this was uh, kind of the main service that, that ATI first took on where they, when they had veterans advocates. So tell us how the service dog program works. When a person comes in looking for a service dog, um, they either have a service dog, they have a, a dog already um, in their home or they come to us and they don't have one. Um, if they do not have one, then we would go to a local shelter and we'd actually help them pick out a dog that would be a good fit for them personally. Um, and then they create a bond with that dog um, throughout the training. So it's rescuing the dog to also rescue the veteran, which um, has been really great for, for some of these veterans. Um, sure. Yeah. All of, all the veterans that come through um, have to have a diagnosis of PTSD, MST, or traumatic brain injury. So um, that's one of our, our main criteria for becoming a part of that service dog program. Do you have a, a number as to possibly how many veterans you, you've served and uh, maybe how many are, are being served right now by, by ATI under under that program? Mike, this is Deb. Under that program, I want to say I think Crystal has 20 dogs right now in the program that are actively being trained. Wow. But we actually have over 95 veterans involved with ATI because when a veteran comes in, like Crystal said, they might come in because they heard about the service dog program, they're not sure about it, 
But we, then not everyone is ready for that program. It's a commitment. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of things to do. So we might help them with other things to get them to that point. So while we have veterans that are signing up and getting other services from us, they might eventually transition into the service dog program, depending upon their diagnosis. But really it's about connecting them with a whole other agency to help them out with a various amounts of things. Like they could need heat. They could need um, uh, food, for example, or they could need rental assistance or just wanting to know, you know, what services are available. And Crystal will help navigate them through the VA. Um, the VA has had to shift a lot with COVID, so we have been dealing with um, working with our veterans with telehealth and getting them accustomed to the technology necessary to even take on that type of appointment. So that, that's been a little bit of a challenge for some people, especially in our rural area. Yeah. They don't have Wi-Fi connection to, you know, actually have a, a depth, in-depth conversation with a therapist if then you're getting cut out every time, you know. So um, it's little things like that that we have been working on. Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad you mentioned the telemedicine uh, aspect of this. And also, going back to the service dog issue, does does ATI work with the medical community, with, with the VA, perhaps in some cases where somebody might not be diagnosed under those guidelines but might come to you for assistance in getting the process started? Yes, we, we've, we've dealt with that quite a bit. Um, we've been able to refer them to, you know, Castle Point or Montrose um, to kind of go through the whole process um, because maybe they struggle with PTSD, but there's not been a diagnosis that's been um, put in writing. Right. So, yeah, we, we definitely take them through that. Um, and then also explaining really what they qualify for as a, as a veteran. Um, we've had many veterans who come through and, they have no idea that they even qualify for anything. Um, I know for myself, I I came into this organization not knowing that I could qualify for something um, because I had never I'd never even thought about you know that as an avenue. Right. Um, right. So, do you also yeah. do you also work in terms of, of of transportation? I know transportation has been kind of an issue, especially getting to those VA facilities that you're talking about, Castle Point, Montrose, and uh, I know there was a regular program going on. But what's the situation right now uh, with that during the COVID crisis? So we've been working with the Sullivan County um, Veterans Coalition, who also has been working with the legislators to have a vehicle to transport individuals back and forth. So, again, it's a, it, it's a matter of connections. I mean, you might not be the primary source for, for services Correct. like that. You, uh, somebody comes to you and asks a question, and, and it sounds like you're pretty much open to getting uh, just about any kind of information that veterans might need, at least to get the process started or lead them in the right direction. That's, what, that's what's really important. I think a lot of it, Mike, is just connecting people with other people. Right. Especially during COVID, there's been such a time of social isolation. And even before we ended up getting uh, refund, you know, having the funding again for the service dog program, we were having veterans just calling us up, wanting to know, you know, what, what other services we have, because I think that they were just like really seeking that connection because they were being uh, impacted more so because of the isolation. So it, it was a real chance, and it heightened anxiety during this time as well, and that was a trigger for some veterans too. So I think it was just 
that a good thing that we are just able to point them in, in some sort of direction to connect them to someone that can be of service. Yeah, yeah. Recently, Crystal, you were you were actually quoted or talked about in the in a recent article in the Sullivan County Democrat where uh, you were talking about the fact that uh, some uh, some veterans right now are uh, having trouble getting motivated to leave the house, and that's a, that's a real issue. They're reaching out to you as as kind of uh, motivation. I mean, how do you deal with something like that? Well, it's, it's really a lot of follow-up and consistency on, on our part, just making sure that I reach out to that veteran or to the veterans that, that are in my program and just veterans in general on a, on a consistent basis. Um, for the veterans going through the program, sometimes I have to text them or, or call them every week to set up a training just so that there's somebody checking in with them, like, hey, remember, you have training. Um, right, right, just yeah. Just kind of, you know, keep them motivated. And then then also what we've been doing is I've been pairing up some of the veterans with other veterans that are in the program to kind of get to know each other a little bit because um, now they have a common goal to uh, work towards. So, so we've been doing that a little bit more, too, to kind of keep them motivated as well. So One of the impacts, Mike, I'm sorry, one of the impacts we had with COVID is that we couldn't, do this, the trainings the same way because of social distancing and space. So Crystal was able to do a lot of dog trainings outside, you know, in the nicer weather, um, but it's made for smaller groups. But we kind of joke that they we have the parking lot support group because after the training, they're all hanging out in the parking lot talking to each other. Well, that's great, that's really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to, to socialize. Uh, one of the other uh, serious topics that, that I really wanted to talk about, and both Crystal and Deborah, you can chime in on this uh, overall, not just affecting veterans, but affecting the entire community, is homelessness. And I just wanted to ask, I mean, how, how serious a problem is this? And, and where, where are we at? What are some of the things that ATI is, uh, is facing right now? Well, thankfully, we are um, actually doing pretty well with getting our local uh, supports in place. So let me just, there's a couple things, Mike. One, Crystal works a lot with the bathhouse which is Begin Again Transition Services, and they have and it's a house for veterans in yes. Liberty yes. who are experiencing uh, transition or homelessness. So we have connected with anyone who is in that house to provide services to get them to an independent you know, place in life. And also we have been given funding through Office of Temporary Disability and Assistance, which is in Albany, which will funnel through Sullivan County Department of Family Services and it's money through the CARES Act that helps us with homelessness and with um, giving support, especially when the eviction moratorium ends. So we are already have, and we are teaming up with wonderful organizations. The three partners in this are um, Ulster Community Action, which provides uh, community action services here in Sullivan County. Um, Fearless, which is the domestic violence program uh, the Hudson Valley, as well as legal services of the Hudson Valley. So the funding will pay for an attorney to help people who are being wrongfully evicted. We will have funding available for rent assistance and just basically to prevent homelessness. And um, so it's, and Fearless is receiving funds because of COVID. For example, if someone is fleeing a domestic violence situation, they can't go into a shelter anymore with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, people are having to be put in, you know, individual hotel rooms. 
So this additional funding will help, you know, those agencies with those resources. So I have to say John Little, the Commissioner of Department of Family Services in Sullivan County, has been really in the forefront of trying to ensure that the small community organizations are all working together, and he's really promoting that. So we're super excited to be part of that coalition. That is uh, that is terrific. And uh, Crystal, uh, again, as, as a veteran peer advocate, you're you're a veteran, you're a woman, and maybe you could speak specifically to some of the issues, some specific issues and, and, and problems and how you're dealing with uh, the female community, because I, I think that's that's probably part of the veterans community that, that is uh, a bit underserved. Am I correct in, in assuming that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a few months ago, I was able to make contact with um, a number of female veterans. I currently only have one female veteran going through my service dog program. But yeah, I mean, getting them in the door has been a challenge. Um, we're still really working on, on how to, to resolve that issue. Um, the one female that I, that I do have, I know that it has been really great to have another female veteran to speak to. Um, she, uh, I, I would say we probably spend like a good 15, 20 minutes every day just just catching up and and, see, and checking in with each other um, because uh, there's not a lot of females to talk to. Um, we're we're in the process of starting some peer support uh, groups for our veterans so that they have a safe place to to come and meet and, and talk with each other. And uh, so my goal is to get a female peer support group going because uh, what I found is that there's really not any female uh, support groups in the area. So, yeah. What would you say some of the issues are specifically to uh, to women veterans? I, 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 it is a good question. <laughs> one, one of the big factors, Mike, is that um, women have a tendency, uh, and Crystal can correct me if I'm wrong, but women have a tendency to try and do it all. And that, we you know... You, you served your country, you were amazing, and now that you're back in civilian life, here's your family, here's your, you know, what, what you're supposed to be now doing, and you might have had a trauma back in, in the time of your service, but it's not, and, and this even goes with the stigma of mental illness, that we're always supposed to keep it together. We're always supposed to be the ones who are doing and I think that that's why we even started the women's empowerment group that we have, and that's just for any woman. But this is going to be specifically for female veterans because you're right. We do feel it is an underserved population. If, when I go to a veterans coalition meeting, I rarely see a woman there. Yeah. And so we're trying to promote inclusivity. We're trying to promote um, participation. I think that Crystal has been a great pioneer in that respect because she has been so welcomed and uh, really, you know, become a part of a lot of the groups that have been working towards getting services for veterans and she brings a new light to it. Well, I think that's a, that's a very good point. And, and uh, it's, it's interesting to think about that because, you know, the, the core issue that you're talking about, Debbie, is, is the fact that, uh, you know, is something that almost every woman faces and add to that, some of the the trauma, the the veterans issues that are involved, 
that can be rather overwhelming. So I, I, I would hope that that aspect of your services uh, grows over the next uh, few months and, and beyond. So, uh, Crystal, as we wind down here, I wanted to give you an opportunity to just kind of talk about how people reach out to you. Uh, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, what what you are doing uh, for outreach? Are, are you out reaching out to social groups, community groups that uh, that might have veterans in need? Yeah, so lots and lots of business cards. Um, <laughs> yeah, that always works. So, it does. Honestly, I carry a stack of business cards everywhere I go. Um, I am in a lot of different businesses. Uh, you know, we utilize Home Depot and Lowe's and Tractor Supply and Walmart and just a whole handful of different businesses. And when we're walking through those businesses with the service dog in training, um, we get stopped quite often um, to ask about our program, um, which is awesome because then we can strike up a conversation about just about anything. Um, yeah. So, so do you actually go out physically with, with a service dog and, and kind of tour the community? Yeah, actually, our veteran advocates are trained, our service dog trainers now, because um, we just found it to be better to have staff that are trained so we're not having to deal with a trainer schedule. And uh, so it's, it's really streamlined the process. But yeah, Crystal is out and about all the time. Um, and also, we can find us on Facebook or our website, and you can get in touch with Crystal that way as well. That's uh, that's terrific, yeah. I think walking around outside in public with a dog helps. It, it definitely does. It definitely yeah, does. Yeah. But, so we're going to wrap it up here. But again, you know, a lot there, a lot of great information. Thank you, Deborah Warden, Executive Director, Action Towards Independence, and also the uh, ATI Veteran Peer Advocate, Crystal Brousseau. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining me here right now today. Uh, if you want to get uh, the information, again, as Deborah had mentioned, uh, Action Towards Independence is on Facebook. Is there an Action Towards Independence-specific uh, Sullivan County page, Debbie? No, no. It, since we are, um, and especially with the Wounded Warrior Program, it is a federal grant, so we actually are not restricted by boundaries. We have clients in uh, New York, Pennsylvania, Orange County, Sullivan County, I mean, you name it, we're, we're kind of crystal goes all over. Wow, um, so okay. one of the good things. But atitoday.org is also our website. and But our main office is in Monticello, and you can call us anytime. All right, and that's uh, 845-794-4228 is the number for Action Towards Independence. Uh, again, Deborah Warden and uh, Crystal Brousseau, thank you so much for, for joining thank me you. here on the Radio Bold News Pod. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is Mike Sakel. Thanks for listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. Be back soon with more conversations that you can check out wherever you get your favorite podcasts and always at RadioBold.com.